Hi, you're listening to Thai Girl for God's radio show. My name is Geraldine, or you can call me Jerry, and I'm the Thai Girl for God, and this is my radio show. What I do is I discuss interesting, informative, and relevant topics from a Christian standpoint, and I also interview wonderful guests who talk about their expertise, also from a faith-based Christian standpoint. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Hi, you're listening to the Thai Girl for God radio show. I'm introducing Sean Paul Murphy. He's an award-winning screenwriter and author. He has written 14 produced feature films, including many faith-based favorites. Most recently, his memoirs were published by Touchpoint Press, which is called The Promise or The Pros and Cons of Talking with God. Sean, is it okay if I say a prayer? Go right ahead. Okay. Father God, thank you, Lord, so much for introducing uh, Sean Paul Murphy and I, Lord God, uh, to each other, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that he is interactive with his uh, watching audience, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that that you have filled his heart and mind with creativity and talent and opportunity, Lord, to... um, Bless everybody with his movies and his abilities and such. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd fill our hearts and minds uh, with your spirit, with your peace and and wisdom. And uh, help us, Lord, to discuss what you want us to talk about, Lord, that would enlighten our listening audience, Lord. Saved as well as uh, people that are not Christian, Lord, yet, Father. Uh, Thank you, Jesus, for everything, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Sean, we'll get started. All right, Sean, could you please tell us how you got started with writing movies? Well, I've always had an interest in writing from childhood. Um, you know, I had a certain aptitude for it, and um, it always served me well. When I started in the advertising business, that's where my background is. I, um, you know, I was in the mailroom, and I moved out of the mailroom because I wrote funny memos about the softball games. We were in a softball league, so <laughs> writing has always served me well. I, um, I began to write screenplays. It's rather um, you know, long, long time ago, but I was very fortunate that um, out of my uh, first three screenplays, two of them earned Hollywood interest. One was picked up by a lawyer um, and um, got some nice rejections. Another one was also nearly made. Both of those, um, those two scripts had faith themes prior to, you know, there was before there really was a faith-based genre. Back then, they were just viewed as like normal mainstream films, and the faith was very integral to the um, to the plot. So it isn't like there was like no prejudice against it at all. People just liked the stories, and uh-huh. there was no ever any talk of like, well, we got to get rid of the religious things because the religion was part, you know, was in part of the story. So um, you know, it's interesting because now I don't believe. You could send a faith script out to Hollywood and it'd be considered mainstream because now there is this genre called yes. faith films. So it's sort of like, it's almost like it's a ghetto. It's sort of like, um, you know, they're like, they put they put a film that has, you know, any mention of God or religious uh, spiritual themes automatically in this bucket, you know, as if it wasn't, it would not go to a mainstream audience. But, um, Eventually, I wrote a uh, screenplay called The Long Drive that got me some real attention. I got a very good agent named Stu Robinson with um, Robinson, Weintraub, and Gross, and 
he, you know, during my tenure with Stu, I never got a screenplay sold, but I've got all these great letters from people like Barry Levinson and Richard Zanuck and all and praising my screenwriting, my dialogue, this or that. And, um, and I came close, you know, you know, a couple of times, but, um, you know, never quite, uh, never quite got it made. And my agent sadly died. And, Aww. and then, you know, I was at a quandary. Do I continue to try to go along the um, Hollywood route, you know, just get another agent or, you know, I had a director friend who, um, who was directing a number of TV shows at the time, like the practice and, you know, homicide life on the street and shows like that. And uh-huh. he wanted to, uh, write a movie with me and we wrote a movie, uh, together and we produced it. It was called, um, it was, uh, the director was Lee Bonner. It was also produced by another friend of ours, uh, David Butler. And the film was called 21 eyes. And, um, it starred, um, Rebecca Mader, who this was her first movie, but she later became one of the stars of the TV show lost. Wow. And I think she's on the current series once upon a time. And um, it also had Fisher Stevens, who uh, would later win an Oscar as a producer of the documentary about the dolphin killing. I forgot what it was called, um, The Cove. So we were very lucky. In fact, pretty much everybody who was involved with this film uh, went on to do bigger and better things. So we were very lucky in our casting. Um, And this film was in a ton of film festivals. It was the film called 21 Eyes. And it was, you know, it was in a ton of film festivals, got a lot of good reviews. I wish I could say it sold 12 million copies, but it didn't. But, it, you know, it was very, you know, in, in one way, in some ways, it was a very fulfilling um, experience, but it was also disillusioning because um, I'd already been involved in, um, you know, as an editor, as a film editor on a number of features. And, the, you know, it's just a rigged game with the distributors who essentially, you know, make all the money and, um, you know, uh-huh. you can't trust their honesty at all. So, in, in a sense, um, I was frustrated by um, the lack of um, profit, essentially, from um, 21 Eyes. And it was just very disillusioning, because I knew if we had sold, if we had marketed that film ourselves and sold as many copies as it did, the inve- you know, our investors would made whole. And my view is, if you're going to bring investors into a motion picture, it's the goal to uh, make them money. Because um, sure. otherwise, you know, otherwise you don't get to make more movies. <laughs> But Absolutely. it's very, you know. So I went. So I decided, in a sense, I went back to my roots. Um, I was like, I wanted to make produce a film that I could produce myself and market myself without a distributor. You know, just raise some additional money to market it. And you know, this was around the time, you know, right after the Passion. Um, uh-huh. And what was it? And I decided to go write write a faith based film called um, what was it called? I John and. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with the passage in the uh, Gospel of John where John is following behind Peter after the resurrection, is following behind Jesus and Peter. And, and, you know, it's where Jesus tells Peter to feed my sheep. You know, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Yeah. And Peter turns to John and says, well, what about him, Lord? And Jesus says, well, if it is my desire for him to stay until I return, you know, you know that, that won't be, but, you know, you have to do your thing, essentially, Jesus said. So, I, John, was essentially about what if John were still alive, still walking among us, waiting the return of Christ. And, um, and it's, you know, and that's, that was the story. And, um, and so I was going to produce that myself, but before, you know, and, 
But before I did so, I decided I was going to just go and see a bunch of uh, faith-based films. So I, you know, went to my local blockbuster. Remember when there were blockbusters? It seems so long ago. And I pulled out, like, every faith-based film I could find. And I um, discovered, you know, and a lot of them I thought were just, you know, were just, you know, sermons, dressed-up sermons. You know, which, you know, which is fine, you know, if you're going to watch that on TV, you know, a sermon. But, right. you know, I, I was thinking, you know, you know, a spoonful of sugar can help make the medicine go down. So, um, and then I saw a, film, a couple films, I believe it was like, um, you know, uh, gosh, um, Sixth and Mark Unleashed. And, yes. And what was the other one? Moment After. And what was the other one? Mercy, some, Mercy Streets. That, no, uh, a couple of them had uh, Kevin Downs and David A.R. White involved. And uh-huh. I thought, well, these guys are like trying to make movies that are like, you know, have a good message. And they're, you know, they're attempting to entertain and, um, you know, tell, tell, you know, give a message in the context of a story. So I just wanted to contact, um, contact them to see what they thought of the script. So I found Bobby Downs' um, email address. And I sent it. I sent him an email, you know, describing my script and wanted to know if he wanted to read it. Well, I didn't get a response from Bobby. I got a response from this guy named David, and he said, and all he said was, is, "Hey, send me your script," uh-huh. which was um, bad because at the time I was sending that, I was also pitching a horror movie, oh, really? a secular horror movie. So I'm like, I just sent out a bunch of letters on that. And since I didn't send either letter to a guy named David, I had no idea what script he was asking about. And I thought, well, if it's the guy who wants the Christian script, he's not going to be, you know, um, he may not be as interested in me if he knows I write secular horror films as well. So, uh, <laughs> but eventually I worked it out and he read the script and it was indeed the master of stage, screen, producer, director, the ultimate hyphen of David A.R. White. And um, he read the script, and he called me a couple days later and told me how much he liked the script. And um, at this point, he is starting a new production company with um, Kevin and Bobby Downs called, uh, I think, Signal Rock. Um, uh, I think that was it. And, and I said, so uh, would you like to do this movie? And he said, no, um, Kevin and I like to do movies that we can star in. Uh-huh. So uh, there weren't two roles for like thirty um, something guys in the film, so it just that was a non-starter with them. And he said, "But what I would like you to do, is, if you're interested, is um, we'd like to we like what they, we liked about your script was it had a sense of humor." And he uh-huh. goes, "Those Christian films tend to be way too serious." Yes, uh, you know. So um, he said, "What we would like to do is a Christian big chill movie." That was essentially an ensemble piece that's a comedy with roles for Kevin and I in the movie. And um, I'm like, that's good. And I said, well, you know, comedy, my experiences with comedy as a freelance writer have never been good. I consider myself pretty funny and I can write comedy, but, you know, I don't like to write, send out comedy because everybody's taste and humor is different. Right. And I, also, I like writing comedy with somebody else. It's good to, you know, sit there and bounce jokes off each other and build on each other's stuff. So I, so I said, hey, would you mind if I brought a friend in with this? You know, pr- before this, I had pretty much, you know, uh, mostly, you know, I've collaborated before, but he, David's like, I don't care. 
and I said, well, I want to call my friend Tim Bradishak. He, I always called him the uh, Woody Allen of Baltimore, but, you know, the good kind of Woody Allen that, like, wouldn't date his stepdaughter. <laughs> uh, and David said, it's okay as long as I only deal with you, because I guess he didn't want to have too many people. And I called Tim, and he, he was already in bed, and he's, I'm like, Tim, you want to write this movie for me? It's a real paid Hollywood assignment. And he's like, you know, um, uh, let me think about it. And I'm like, okay, you have five minutes. So, um, you know, because David wanted an answer whether we're going to go forward on the project. So, uh, you know, um, we did, you know, we did go forward and um, Tim said yes. And and that began, you know, making the films with Pure Flix. And they, that first film, it's interesting, By the, from the time we started writing it, um, till the time we were finished writing it, the film company had changed. It became Pure Flix. Prior, it was Signal Rock or Eagle Rock, I think. It was Eagle Rock and um, became um, Pure Flix. And Kevin and Bobby Downs were no longer involved. They had parted with Dave White, and Dave White had teamed up with Russ Wolf and uh, Michael Scott. And the first film they made, Hidden Secrets, was the first film they made, but it wasn't the first release. Um, they went with The Wager, which was their second film, the one starring the uh, country singer Randy Travis. Uh-huh. So, that, um, so that began the career. After that, that film was you know, apparently very successful. And um, I really enjoyed it, uh, making that movie. I thought it was great. I um, had a great time on it. And you know, it was great going out and meeting everybody. And I think it, you know, it mostly works. Um, even now, I thought it had a very, you know, Carrie Scott directed it. Thought it had a very good look, and most of the performances were very good. You know, the problem with so many Christian films is that, you know, um, you know, they have some wonky performances in it, and they suffer from a low budget. But this was sort of right. like, a one, you know, just a few locations, mainly in one house, and we were blessed to have a number of very good actors and actresses in the film. You know, some of which, you know, uh-huh. I'm still in contact with and all and hope to work with again. And after that, um, we decide, um, David invited us out. So I'm, I'm sort of giving you the whole movie history here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. great. <laughs> and um, the next film was A Holy Man Undercover, which was based on a uh, one-man show that David was performing at churches, you know, to make pocket change, you know, because, you know, the movie business isn't always steady income and, so um, he invited. He was he was sh- you know doing a show at a church in New Jersey, and he invited Tim and I up. And I said, Tim, this is just not a get together. We're going to be all. He's going to want us to do a screen version of it. And sure enough, he did. And uh, we changed it considerably from the show. The show was actually very. Um, I wouldn't say racy, but it was very provocative for a church show. I mean, there was right. a vast amount of drug humor in it. And it was very kind of loosely based on Dave's life. You know, Dave was not Amish, but he was a Mennonite, was yeah. not exposed to television, went to Moody, decided to go to Hollywood, and got very lucky early on. And um, yes. got on the um, show with um, Burt Reynolds, Evening Shade. And he was a featured actor and in, with, you know, weekly performance and all. And so, um, you know, he was, he was very lucky. And then, then he sort of had his, like... Um, wilderness time after that show before he found his needs to make Christian films. You know, that was his wilderness period. So we did the film Holy Man Undercover, which Tim and I wrote up, and I was initially very happy with the film, and so was Tim. We were very happy with the comedy. You know, it was very funny. 
Unfortunately, uh-huh. I would not say that the film as it exists now is funny at all, hardly. Right. You know, and I'll say that because essentially um, Christians don't have a sense of humor. I mean, <laughs> Christians do, but the gatekeepers, you know, the people, to, to make a successful film, essentially, you have to get certain ministries. You know, if certain ministries are against you or will not approve your film, like the Belt Foundation, you know, you're essentially gone. You know, you won't get into Christian bookstores. I mean, if you're making a low-budget independent Christian film, which is exactly what we were doing, you need the approval, the help of ministries in order for it to be successful. And people just did not like this film. They did not like the sense of humor. I thought, you know, I tell you, I mean, Uh you know, I always had a very steady income as an editor and also making these films was not really a matter of making money for me, but... You know, I did. I did want our investors to be made whole, and you know, if we could make money, that's fine. I mean, there were, to me, the movies were, you know, it's you know, we'll get to later what Christian films are about. But to me, there has to be a ministry aspect if it's really a Christian film. You know, um, I remember reading an article very early in my career by Rich Cristiano, in which he said, um, you know, I don't make, you know, films to entertain Christians. You know, he makes evangelical films. And initially, I resented that. I thought, you know, well, why aren't Christians entitled to entertainment? You know, that reflects their values. But, you know, I think I've come more to his uh, point of view the longer I've been. But um, I think the attitude towards humor and Christianity in Christian films is summed up by someone not referring to this film in particular, but a major, um, you know, radio minister who said, I remember him saying around the time we were having trouble with this movie, goes, I have a great sense of humor. But I refuse to laugh at anything that Christ had to die for. Oh, my gosh. You know what? That leaves you very little room for any humor because all humor is somehow relates to sin or weakness. Right. Or, you know, or cruelty. There's always a bit of cruelty in humor. You know, it, <laughs> it's unavoidable. So what happened with Holy Man Undercover was... You know, it kept getting edited and edited and edited. You know, if anybody, if any gatekeeper didn't like something in it, it was gone. Uh-huh. You know, so the initial edit of the film. But, you know, this, this, the stupid thing is, is that this is a film I thought actually had good ministry value in the beginning. Because it's really a film that we designed and we aimed at youth. It was about peer pressure. This is about a guy, a naive guy a Christian guy who finds himself in the world and it's a choice to sacrifice his values or stay true to his values. And I thought that was a great film about peer pressure, you know, but it never, it never got to where it needed to be, you know, and, and it's a pity. So I guess, you know, this is one of the ones I didn't, you know, um, I don't like the final film as it stands now. There, there are moments of it that still work very well, but uh-huh. once upon a time, it was a very nice film. And um, if I can continue on along, the next one we really recovered on, uh, Sarah's Choice. I had long, 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 even in my strictly secular days, a desire to write a film about on the subject of abortion. And uh-huh. we had the opportunity with, um, with Rebecca St. James in the lead, and I was very happy with this film. And Tim was very happy. And I do remember the, very, the night it premiered, I was told by some people there that it, it was at a... Um, film festival in Boston, 
and uh, a girl brought her friend who was going to have an abortion the next day, and she did not have the abortion, you know, after seeing this film. So, you know, uh-huh. this film wow. a tremendous positive change, life change in someone's life. So, um, that's awesome. That is awesome. There's probably someone, um, someone walking around, that, but you know, this is, you know, I'll tell you about Sarah's choice is, um, you know, I, you know, it's funny, um, like the investors, you know, this was Holy Man Undercover, Sarah's Choice, Blink of an Eye, were films I helped find the investors for. And um, the investor was like, what he really liked about it was that it was a film, it wasn't a hateful movie. You know? Right. I don't think you're going to find a lot of hate. If there's, you know, if you see hate in some movie that I've written, some faith movie, it's probably something someone else added later, a producer, or an actor, or somebody. You know, the director, because, uh-huh. you know, I'm generally not big on the hate aspect of Christianity. Sure. And, um, and I, I thought we thread the needle well. And, I, you know, this is like, you know, I was at a number of public screenings of the film Sarah's Choice. And, you know, so many women came up to me afterwards and told these harrowing stories about wow. the abortions they had had and the emotional effect that it had on them how it had haunted them for years and how they finally came to terms and peace with it, you know. Wow. So, um, you know, and people I know as well. And um, a lot of what was in the film there's some are stuff that, you know, people had told me about previously about their experiences. And the same was too, true with Tim, um, who wrote most of these films. I think the next one was The Encounter, you know. Uh-huh. And, and now in some ways the movies were going down. Because they were going down in budget. At this point, Holy Man was the highest budget. I mean, um, Hidden Secrets was the highest budget. Holy Man was around the same value. Sarah's Choice was a smaller budget. And um, The Encounter was the smallest budget yet. We were told um, it was going to be $60,000. And we we could only use so many actors and have like so few locations. And we were given a treatment for that film, and uh, which we kind of threw out. We didn't, you know, like it. And I, you know, I will admit I was, had some hesitation for two reasons about getting onto this project. One, I had not read The Shack or The Perfect Stranger. You know, I saw maybe one, you know, like three minutes of The Perfect Stranger. You know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's another faith-based film where Jesus, you know, invites someone out to dinner and they talk. And, oh, I did not want to see it. But to me, uh-huh. you know... A lot of the films with you know with pure flicks would always start out as you know they'd want to make a secular version of some other movie, like uh-huh. uh, Hidden Secrets was a secular version of, um, of um, what was that The Big Chill and you know what was that one uh, they made with um, Kevin Sorbo was a secular version of The Family Guy, you know What If What If What If Yeah, yeah. I mean David wanted to do that I mean. After we finished Hidden Secrets or something, he was sort of like, I want to do a Christian version of Family Man. And Tim and I would just roll our eyes because we would prefer not to do, you know, Christian versions of secular films. You know, that's uh-huh. not, you know, not our goal. It wasn't like we, we wanted to redo Nicolas Cage films the rest of our lives. <laughs> you know, so, um, so that was not our goal. And eventually um, that was written by some other folks who, you know, did a nice job. But, you know, it wasn't us. And um, so um, so the encounter, you know, it was to me it was like, oh, it's bad enough we're doing Christian versions of, uh, 
of secular films, and now we're going to do a Christian version of a Christian film. There's sort of like a Thou Shall Not Steal involved. So I did keep away from watching The um, Perfect Stranger or reading The Shack. And um, so we did it. And the other intimidating thing was actually to write words of Jesus, you know. You know, that's a very intimidating thing. And I, you know, uh-huh. put words in Jesus' mouth and... You know, the original treatment was very detailed, and they had, like, all these Bible quotes, you know, throughout the treatment. And it was like, really? I mean, it's sort of like, I don't think if we saw Jesus walking down the street, he'd be saying, hey, Sean, how are you you doing? Well, I'm having a problem. Well, as I said in Matthew 24, 8, you know, now (laughs) Jesus would, like, go around quoting himself, you know. I mean, that'd be a little more pretentious. I think he'd hit us more on our um, conversationally. You know, so um, that's what we did, and I got to say that that film was a real blessing. I mean, to me, it's sort of the high point of my career. I will say that in faith-based films, it was all downhill since then. But, um, you know, it was, um, you know, I I made films, I've maybe made more money, I don't know. But But the effect that this film had on people's lives has been amazing. Um, Once again, this premiered at a film festival in Boston where they had... um, you know, altar calls after the film, and literally, because I counted them, 200 people came down to accept the Lord after seeing this film at its premiere. Wow. You know, it was really amazing. And you could just go through the user comments on, you know, like Netflix or Amazon, and you could see the impact that this film is having on people, and really needing them at their needs. I mean, it's just, just really amazing. Um, Awesome. So, um, I, you know, it was definitely, it was definitely a career high point. And in the sense of, um, Christian film, I don't think I'll surpass it, you know, and I'm happy not to. I'm glad that film was, um, continues to have the impact on people's lives and, you know, and people found it too, because there was no publicity when the film was released. They did nothing, you know, but people started seeing, watching it. You know, I was so disappointed because the impact it had on, um, at the film festival was amazing, and I thought, you know, this is really going to reach people. And then, you know, the release date comes, and you know, I get my copies of the film, and there's not even any reviews on Christian web pages about it. I'm like, you didn't even send out review, review copies, you know. And but people found it on Netflix and started watching it, and word of mouth, and it ended up being on Amazon in the top ten in its category for like three years, you know. So wow. it has been a really a great, amazing experience. The next film was um, Run On. Now, this is an odd hybrid of a film. It was a sort of, I don't know if you saw it as a stand-up comedy. I did. And starring David A.R. White, Brad Stein, and Tommy Blaze. Now, I don't know whether to say this is the next film or a marriage retreat, but my work on Run On was done prior to the creation of Marriage Retreat. So, um, basically, after we had done um, Holy Man Undercover, David needed a new um, one-man show to try to get around, and we went through a couple, and he wanted Tim and I to write one for him, which we did. We wrote a couple couple of them, all basically uh, based on his life, and, um, you know, um, you know, there's a certain cynicism in this business. Like, one of the reasons is Run On was made strictly for one purpose, and that was to promote David's one-man show. And um, when he was writing this, David was very anxious to get with the agent, the booking agent who handled um, Brad Stein, because Brad Stein, the comedian, 
you know, got a lot of bookings with major churches and ministries like Promise Keepers and all. And Dave wanted to follow in their footsteps. So, you know, that's why you get Brad Stein in, like, Sarah's Choice. What's the best way to get endear yourself as to an agent is to hire his clients. So it was sort of like, you know, David, this was, a you know, a way for David to get in with, um, I think the agent's name at the time was, well, I'm not going to give names. Um, so, and Brad, you know, Brad and Tommy both were more established, were established comedians, and, you know, Brad more so than Tommy. And they made this film, and it was sort of like, hey, you know, you appear on this with us, our fans will buy this, and it will help your booking. So that's how Run On came into being. You know, and it was an interesting concept. You got part one of the film was, um, you know, sort of like the fall from grace, and it's like David's true story. But I, one thing I never liked was that, you know, Dave essentially, if you know the film language, Dave has the exposition of the film. You know, and then Tommy's sort of like the turning point back, and Brad is the life triumphant. But, you know, Dave has the burden of carrying the story through his story. And as a result, Tommy had rewritten the one-man show, and, you know, in order to get the details in, in, in time, cut a lot of, you know, you hear a lot of setups, but some of the jokes are missing. So, uh-huh. no, no screenwriter is ever going to talk about his film and say that they all turned out right. You know, that was my complaint right. with this, was that there. But, you know, it was a film designed to serve a purpose to get Dave White bookings, you know, and um, that's, that's what that one was about. Uh-huh. Now, around the same time, um, Marriage Retreat, and I think um, I think the initial thought was that um, on Marriage Retreat, now, this film was a crazy film. Um, see, I'm telling you. I saw that, too. Yeah. Okay, well, the, the funny thing about this film is I was thinking that what they were thinking is, or at least some of them, was that the three of them would do the one-man show film, and then the three of them would play husbands in marriage retreat. Now, Dave ended up playing a husband, and um, Tommy ended up a husband, but Brad was not in this film, so that concept, you know, but did not play out. Now, I will always feel sorry for the director of marriage retreat, because here, here's this... Here was the situation. Um, a, well, first let me tell you how this film started. Um, I remember I was at, coming home from worship practice. I played guitar in the worship band and get a call from Dave White. He had just left the movie Couples Retreat. I mean, not marriage, Couples Retreat, um, you know, the Vince Vaughn film. And he's like, Sean, we got to do a Christian version of this. So I was literally in the car and I was driving by a theater so my wife and I, you know, went, I called Tim and I said, he wants us to do this. And Tim was, Tim goes to bed early because he gets up earlier. He's like, oh, we'll talk about this later. And um, I went and saw the movie. And uh-huh. like, really? We're going to do a Christian version of this? <laughs> and, um, you know, and Dave wanted it almost exactly like the film. You know, I don't know why we even did this, frankly, Tim and I, because we turned down, like, doing the one that became What If. But for some reason... You know, Dave, Dave White can be very enthusiastic and he can certainly carry you along. But for some reason, we said, okay, we'll do Marriage Retreat. And, um, you know, so, but here, here why I always feel um, sorry for the director. So, who, this is not his real name on the film. He removed his name. But, and I won't say who he is, but he's also known that to be in the film business. Um, so, you got Dave White. He plays one couple, him and his wife. They're both producers of the film. Okay, you got Anna Zawinski and her real-life husband. 
So that's why they couldn't have the three. Um, Anna Zawinski um, brought in money to the film. She was producer and brought in money. So she and her husband, this was a project for both of them, an ensemble film. You know, so so Brad's out because he isn't bringing in any money. So, and then the final woman was also a producer of the film who also, I believe, brought in some financing. And then Tommy came in. Now, this is where I sort of first met Tommy. So Tim and I wrote the script. And here, here's, the, here, you know, we, David told us he wanted a farce. You know, and a farce is, you know, a film that, that goes for comedy more than reality. And, you know, it was, uh-huh. you know, so he, we wrote a farce, you know, and well, as we were writing, Dave, you know, Pure Flix was very burned by the holy man thing. And as much as Dave would like to do comedy, you know, um, you know, they just, you know, the other partners and all just feel that comedy wouldn't sell. So they were kind of getting cold feet, even in the writing of the initial first draft of the film. So, um, <coughs> you know, so. You know, Tim wanted to stay on the on the um, far side, uh, and I was like, you know, uh-huh. I'm talking to Dave, and he's sort of like going more towards a little drama and the thing. Well, we send in the first draft, and um, David sends us these notes, and it's almost immediately um, he wants Tommy Blaze to rewrite it, and we're like, and we're like, why? And um, he's like, well, you know, we want to go more dramatic route, and Tim, Tim and I are like, well, you're gonna hire a comedian to rewrite this script to um, be more of a drama. You know, it's like, you know, I think Tim was angrier than me. I was ready to move on. And um, we certainly had other work. We were already working on uh, Brother White at the time and, like, two other things. So, um, you know, but Tim, you know, I shouldn't tell his story, but as you'll see, he doesn't show up on the next film. Um, He got kind of upset. You know, he was not happy about necessarily the rewrite. And as it was going on, um, you know, Tommy and Dave were bonding on the shoot, and um, Brother White had already been in the works as a series. Uh-huh. I'm not going to get into all of the crazy business stuff involved in it, but um, David called and said he wanted Tommy to be on the series as one of the writers, and I'm, you know, it's our, like, well, writer, but not, you know, if he was in on the pilot, he should he'd be a creator, and it was... You know, it was a sort of complex thing. At this point, Tim essentially said, I'm out of here, my longtime partner on these many films. And um, he left um, working for Pure Flix for quite a while, you know, for a while after that, you know. And, um, uh-huh. But, you know, we continued on. And, you know, when Brother White working also with Matt Richards as a writer. Now, he had been the producer of Holy Man. And he's a very funny guy. And he came in on this. And, you know, I like Tommy Blaze, you know. You know, I really do like him. I enjoy his, you know, he's he's a good guy. And, uh, you know, and any weirdness was more about the business than personalities. So, um, oh, but back to Marriage Retreat, you know, it was like, I feel sorry for the director because essentially all the actors he's working with um, are his boss, you know, so, because they're all producers. Uh-huh. They're all producers of the film, except, you know, so, you know, it's very difficult for it. It was a place for a director to be, and I heard all sorts of horrible things during. The, I edited the film as well as um, wrote, you know, co-wrote it, and um, I, you know, I well, during the reports, you know, I was getting all these reports from the mountain. I did not go to the shoot. Um, that um, you know, it was a disaster. Oh, this is horrible! It's horrible! It's horrible! It's horrible! It's horrible! 
And um, when I finally got the footage, because I was going to end it, I'm like, well, it's, it's not so bad. And I think um, I think that may have been my best work as a film editor was finding the right tone for the film. You know, in you know, and there was a lot of there was a lot of politics in the film. You know, during the edit. You know, because it was supposed to be more of an ensemble film, and it became more about Dave and Andrea. You know, I mean, there was a there was a lot of politics in the film. Uh-huh. You know, and but you know, I'm happier with the film. I don't know if Tim has even watched the film, but you know, I was happier with the film in the end. So, um, am I getting in too much detail to you? No. You're just fine, Sean. I really appreciate your background story of each of these movies. And I've seen, actually, I'm, I'm on imdb.com and I see uh, the various movies that you've written. And I've seen The Encounter as well as The Encounter 2, which is my favorite one, which was set in Thailand. And I've seen Brother White, Sarah's Choice, Marriage Retreat. Um, I think the first two Black Riders... Um, or I'm sorry, I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly. Yes, yes, the one, one and two, right? Um, and let's see, have I seen anything else? Let's see, I've seen. Let's see here. Uh, I've seen Marriage Retreat. I was impressed with that. I've seen did Run you see On. I did not. I'd like to see I, that. I've, I've seen Holy Man Undercover. I don't think we'd ever make that film again. It was like um, a little too, it, you know, it had dealt with like homosexuality, abortion, all the red button issues. That uh-huh. it would be a different film now because, you know, the culture war has so heated up. I think it's hard to show yeah. these things in a sense of, you know, with grace in them, you know, now because people want to fight. Back then, I think it was more of an evangelical feel and reaching out. Now it's sort of like, raw, you know, going rah-rah to get our troops fired up to battle the world rather than to reach out to the world and love Right. Well, I'll definitely uh, take a look at that. And I was really impressed with each one of the movies. And I, I really think you did a great job. And um, so thank you so much for giving me a background and all all the movies. What are the purpose of Christian films? Or would you like to talk more about the other movies? No, I just wanted to say that um, I'm glad you liked The Encounter too. It was a really, really odd hybrid. There's parts. Yes, I like. There it, were though. parts of the film that I absolutely loved. You know, I think Bruce Marciano has done a great job as Jesus, and I think he's. Oh yes, I do too. And I liked that it was. Um, I liked that it was um, set in Thailand. I don't know. I think I may have told you one of the things that um, I have Thai relatives. My uncle married a woman from Thailand, and all. That's awesome. You know, and I sadly did not get to go to the shoot. You know, I. Oh, yeah, that's too bad. um, The movie was really wrong-headed in having this action, make an action movie, but um, yeah, you know, I'll tell you what Encounter Two was going to be was a was a Breakfast Club film, sort of. You know, everything's like another movie, and uh, say that Encounters like uh, Key Largo, you know, the old Humphrey Bogart film, but the um, it was supposed to be Breakfast Club and deal with issues. Oh, that wow. dealt with the kids and all. I do like the act, what I do like, but uh, Dave wanted, to, you know, the encounter up until God's Not Dead was the biggest hit for Pure Flicks, and Dave really wasn't in it, right. and he wanted to be in the next encounter movie, and he's the boss, and uh, but he also wanted to be an action star. So 
The film uh-huh. had to have an action, had to be an action movie. You know, so it's, so a lot of people who saw Encounter right. 1 were disappointed with Encounter 2, you know. Uh, so, oh, really? but I tell you what, I do like that we dealt with some more serious issues that are often sure. avoided, and I think and there was a certain grittiness, and I liked the locations. There was a lot I liked about this movie, but ultimately, uh, ultimately there, was, there was some wrongheaded, and I think there's some some great moments with um, Bruce and Robert Miano and some of the actors, and like Shelley Robertson talking about you know losing her son. I mean, there's. A, Yes. I tell you what, I do believe, and I've told her this, you know, every chance I get, I tell her, I really think that that moment in the film was probably some of the um, most, you know, the best acting and uh, most heartbreaking um, scene in any movie I worked on. So I'm so glad we had her. I thought that was great. That is great. Absolutely. So we'll move on. on. Okay. All right. Great. Okay, so Sean, what would you say are the purpose? What is the purpose of Christian films? Um, what are Christian films? You know, nowadays we don't even call them right. Christian films anymore. We call them faith-based films because the word Christian is awfully scary. Uh, right, but not right. only that, I think um, I do believe they've become more entertainment now than before. Uh, originally, I think the people who made Christian films. We're trying to make films that were evangelical, trying to reach people for the Lord, and um, they used the word Jesus quite a bit, you know. Um, now I think they're just, you know, and they, I think a lot of the faith-based films aren't necessarily, you know, they don't use the, G, the Jesus word much, and uh, even like <laughs> I, you know, I didn't notice it, but someone told me afterwards. I saw the Left Behind movie, you know, the new one with Nicolas Cage, and. Um, and apparently yes. they didn't say Jesus once in the film. Here they are talking about the um, rapture and all this, and they don't even, no one even uses the J word, which is funny because that's a theme in um, Holy Man Undercover is using, well, you know, being cautious about using the J word. And the, the you J know, word, so right. I think right now it's, um, I'm not to disparage the motives of people, but I do believe it has become a more, more of a business. And uh, I think, to a degree, it's um, it's about reaching and you know people have discovered that there's a large market and there's money to be made there. And um, you know, I'm not against making money. You know, you don't muzzle the ox as it treads out the grain. But um, I do believe, um, you know, it's sort of like now everyone's trying to make stuff for streaming and they're like setting up you know, streaming sites behind paywalls, and I'm like, you know, don't tell people you're making films for evangelical purposes, and then, you know, make them exclusive content that they have to pay, you know, a monthly fee to your website to get, because how are the unsafe, what unsafe person is going to, like, subscribe to a, um, to a webpage in order to watch Christian films, you know, you know, so, Uh I mean, you know, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a mechanism to get films into the, um, uh, you know, to get them into the theaters and um, how to get the churches. And the marketing has gotten so much better, you know. So, but, you know, what are, you know, what are the purposes of these films? Are they, I said that quote earlier from Rich Cristiano that he wasn't making films to entertain Christians. And, you know, I was initially against, you know, that whole concept of it. But, 
I think I've reached a point, and I've never stopped writing secular stuff as well either. You know, I mean, I've written. You know, I see. You know, I still I haven't written many feature length screenplays secular, mainly because I've been so busy working on um, working on uh, the faith based film commission faith based films. But you know, I've done films that are like Emmy winning films, where like the FBI that run on like the Pentagon Channel. Wow, that's great. So, I mean, it's not like I'm saying it has to be Christian or nothing, you know, um, but it's like, I guess my view is sort of like, if this is a Christian, if you're like selling this as a Christian film, then make it Christian, you know. I think, you know, that's right. just my attitude, my attitude on it, you know. Um, if it, you know, and there's nothing wrong with making films that are their only purpose, that have no evangelical purpose. You know, there's nothing wrong with making them to entertain Christians. But, you know, if you're making films for the church, and this is something that will never happen, is if you're making films for the church, then make it a film, you know, films that turn a mirror towards the church. You know, I mean, all Christian films, it's sort of like they're a pat on the back. You know, it's sort of like, look at look how evil the world is and, and we're the church. We're better off. But you know, if you know, if if you know, if we're just making films for ourselves, why don't we deal with problems within the church, like um, you know, like racism? I mean, you know, why are churches so segregated? Right. You know, about divisiveness. You know, why do we divide ourselves over issues that are, un, you know, small theological issues that are unimportant to the overall, you know, you know, great commission? You know, and why, you know, and judgmentalism and things like that. Things that you know divide churches and also, you know, divide, you know, divide us from the world in an ugly way rather than, you know, we are not the world and we shouldn't be the world. Right? Let us be, a, let us draw people towards us. Let us be light and salt. Right, right. You know, and, you know, so. Absolutely. I don't know where yeah. Christian films are going. I think, um, in a business wise, the old way of making independent films and releasing them on DVD is dead. You know, DVD sales are over right you know everybody is either everyone's going you know go big or go home so everybody getting them into the theaters and uh, you see a lot of newspaper articles about how successful these films are and some of them are but most of them aren't you know it's you know they're the big hits and then there are a lot of films that actually lose lose money so it's, it's a real mechanism to get them to make money you really have to get people in churches out to see them it takes time you know and you got to ask yourself how many times how many Times is a pastor going to, you know, buy a theater for his um, a year? Is a pastor going to buy a theater for his um, congregation to go out and see a movie? You know? right. right, right, absolutely. Well, Sean, could you uh, please share your brief well, testimony um, with us? I guess um, I was uh, born and raised in, in Baltimore, Maryland, a uh, child of the '60s. By that I mean I wasn't having fun in the '60s as a kid. I was having kid fun, and I. Just, Raised in a Catholic family, <laughs> and you know, a part of me will always be Catholic. And I was, um, I came, you know, all of this is in my book. And everyone out there who's hearing this, please go buy my book, The Promise or the Pros and Cons of Talking to God, because that is my testimony. Yes, I wrote do. that book after I died on the operating table, um, 2011, August 10th, 2011. And I realized I had never, you know, I've, you know, Catholics aren't like Baptists, you know, we don't always go around telling our testimony. I mean, our view is, you know, was always, you know, we'll come to church, 
they let the priest do all the heavy lifting, you know, we just show up, and, you know, we kind of liked it that way, you know, and um, I became more, you know, I had a, uh, a kind of profound born-again experience in 1977, and in which also, uh -huh. um, you know, I heard the you know the voice of the Lord, and he guided me in many ways, and that's what my book is about, is um, my response to the uh, call of the Lord, and, Great. you know, and there are pros and cons of talking to God, because, um, you know, God is yes. always going to take you places you don't necessarily want to go, and he's going to the obedience as well, so, True. you know, it's, um, if you're really going to get in there, if you're really going to get with it and get with God, it's, you know, it's going to, you know, you're going to have to make some sacrifices, and sometimes I did, and sometimes I didn't, and this book is about, you know, doing it. But it's really, I like to call it a um, tale of first faith and first love and how the two became almost fatally intertwined, and I really, I, you know, I would be remiss, my publisher would you know, beat me around the head and shoulders if I didn't say people should go out and read it. But I, I, I will say that, um, <laughs> you know, my testimony, as it is, is in the book, but it's also in the movies. You know, there's a lot of me in the movies, particularly Hidden Secrets and The Encounter, you know, and me and Sarah, Sarah's Choice, you know, as in, you know, people I know, things I've been told. And um, I was always kind of talking about, you know, the faith as I lived it and as I've experienced it. And, you know, but, you know, I never told it for real. I never, you know, got a chance to find my own voice, and that's what the, um, the book allowed me to do it. It's my testimony. It's a story I wanted to tell before I die the next time. Yeah, so I, so I don't know. I didn't quite answer your question. But in a sense, in a sense, no, you did, definitely. Book. I just happen to have a copy of it here right near me. In case we were on video, then I would be able to show it to you. <laughs> but, I wish you know, we could. For me to talk about my te it took me um, 181 pages to tell my testimony. So. Wow, that's great. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing your testimony with us. And I'm definitely looking forward to reading your book. It, it's so awesome that you wrote your autobiography. I think everybody should you know, to share with the world their well, story. Um, and uh, how yeah, well, I God think is that is, you know, it's life. funny that, you know, that should be like what's really on the bookshelves, you know, because... We are supposed to be able to sure. you know, tell our stories, and um, I think, you know, you look at a lot of these books, and you know, I don't mean to put anything down, but I think what people really need is to see how other people dealt with very, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of really hard stuff in this book, you know, you know suicide, things like sure. that, and, you know, death, and, you know, all the sure. ugly things of life you're going to find in my book, and it's like, you know, there's no point undergoing pain and sorrow unless you can use that to help other people and I like re you know it's sort of like you wanting you know when you're going through something you want to hear from other people so I not only want people to read my book I want right. people you know to tell their stories you know I mean it's important you know to tell your story and get your story out there and um, just tell your friends you know don't don't leave things untold which is sort of like what I realized after I um after my experience, you know, it's like, well, you know, I had a lot of great things happen in my life, not, not all happy things, and it's, you know, I would, why would I die and leave those stories untold, you know, so, every, you know, so everyone should tell their stories. Absolutely. And, 
I'm sure you're going to be telling yours too, you know, because you're all the internet and uh, probably right. your I, website. I bet you have a lot about yourself. Uh -huh. I do, I do. Thank you for saying that. I try to share my story uh, through my blog as well as, um, you know, on my radio show and such. And I, I it was quite the emotional experience for sure. And thank you so much for sharing your testimony with us in audio form as well as in book form. That's awesome. Uh, Sean, how do you deal with the uh, negative people out there in the Christian as well as non-Christian community that just are naysayers about any well, type of Christian of movie right. out there? You know? <laughs> well, I tell you... Um... <laughs> You know, and even, you know, you go to, like, Movie Guide and things, and they just um, sent that, you know, I just read some, a story about them that they put on their page about why Christian films are bad. And a lot of Christian films are bad. And a lot of my films, you know, there's not, no film I made that I wouldn't want to change stuff on, you know, secular or, or Christian, you know. Sure. There's no film I wouldn't want to change things on. And um, I think, you know, you know, I don't like to blame the budget because there are a lot of great filmmakers from the 80s and 90s who make great films on low budgets. I think the problem is that um, we Christians or in the Christian audience, the core audience judges films based solely on the message of the film and not necessarily the quality. So film, you know, filmmakers don't see the need to, you know, learn their craft because they know they can get by on, on good intentions and a good message. You know, so a lot of our films suffer, you know, for that reason. And, um, you know, I have a blog and I put the reviews down and, and oh my, you know, along the side are the reviews and it's good reviews and it's bad reviews because, you know, my view is if the New York Times, and the New York Times never reviewed one of my faith-based films, but if they wrote a bad review about it, I think Christians would look at it as the New York Times and still want to see the film even if the review was bad. And I have highlighted, I've written blogs, you right. know, discussing bad reviews and giving the reviewers credit for picking out, you know, it's sort of like, you know, if it's something's bad in a movie, I have no problem with someone pointing it out, you know. I learn from reviews, you know, and I'm not one of, you hear these people say, oh, I never read reviews. I read every review. I read every review and I read every user comment, <laughs> you know, and some of them are right and some of them are wrong right. and some of them are good and some of them are bad, so... And the secular bad ones don't bother me. But what what really is surprising to me as a Christian filmmaker is the vicious attacks you get from people in the faith. You know, you sort of expect you know atheists and right. people who are hostile to God to hate your movie. You know, you got to expect that. You got to maybe take some pride in it. But you know, it's sort of you know the picky yoon. <laughs> it's like so many people have like an issue. Like, I mean, I remember reading some comments about, like, Hidden Secrets. It's sort of where a character who in our film is Jewish reads a passage from Isaiah, and they criticize the film for not, for not having a guy read it from the King James Bible. You know, it's like, well, why would a Jewish character have grown up reading the King James Bible? It doesn't make any sense. And you're going to tear down the film because right. of that? You know, and... Um, Right. You know, I, we, we, you know, Tim and I called them the haters, and uh, you know, and we were like, <laughs> oh, we can't, you know, the hate. Wait till the haters get a hold of this movie, and it's, you know, and it's not just the little films. It's not just our films. It's the big films. You know, everyone has a, you know, I mean, Sarah's Choice was criticized a great deal for um, the fact that 
she was having dreams like visions, dreams and visions. And um, because there's a lot of people that believe that, you know, God no longer communicates with people except through the Bible, you know, as cessationists. And um, they're very hostile to the film. You know, it's heretical, you know. And I'm sort of like, wow. I don't know. I don't see in the Bible where that happened. It certainly did not happen that way in my life, you know. So, um, you know, those people are very hostile, you know, they'll tear it down, you know. You know, it doesn't matter to them whether, whether this film is helping people in their lives and maybe helping people decide to, to, you know, to save their child, to have their child. You know, they would rather destroy the film that's helping people and saving lives because they have a, a theological dispute on it. You know, and that, that's, you know, to some degree, you know, a lot of people are hostile to um, the Encounter movies because they're like, the Bible says Jesus will not return until the second coming, and this is not the second coming. This is heretical. <laughs> you know? Oh, and I tell you, the one that nearly that, right. that really killed me was um, all the criticism of Encounter Two, and which the movie you've seen, that seemed to indicate that Dave White's right. character's sister, who died of a drug overdose, was in heaven. People were really incensed. How dare I say that someone died of a drug overdose would end up in heaven? You know. That was just plain evil of me to say that, you know. Because she died in sin. She's in hell. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, what if, I, what if I'm on the highway <laughs> and there's a truck in front of me and I can't see ahead? So, you know, the truck's going 55. I'm going 55, 55 miles speed limit. But I don't feel safe because I can't see in front. So I start to pass this car and I get to 57 miles an hour and I get in an accident and die. Well, I was in violation of the law, which is a sin, which would count as a sin for God. So does that mean because I died going 57 miles an hour, despite being saved, that I died in a state of sin and therefore I'm in, burning in hell because I drove 57 miles an hour? You know, I don't think it works that way. Right. I think Christ mm -hmm. died for all of our sins. You know? No, I don't think so. And I think Christians it, indulge right. in many Amen. bad behaviors, you know, and particularly those people who had like, you know, habitual drug habits and alcohol, you know, and they come to the Lord and some are cured miraculously, but most it's an ongoing battle the rest of their lives. So, you know, I just think it was, you know, really hateful that the criticism of that film on that subject, you know, and it's very disillusioning. You sort of read this and it's sort of like, why am I doing this, you know? Why? And as long as, you know, as right. the films are continuing to have, you know, a good missional value, you know, it, it was worth doing Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing about that. Uh, Sean, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is the beginning screenwriter who wants to do general screenwriting as well as somebody who wants well, to do Christian screenwriting? Well, the good thing is uh, when I started screenwriting back when, you know, when, you know, I used to do it sitting on the back of my dinosaur, but, um, you know, time ago, and there were no books on the subject. Uh -huh. The only real, there were only two books I was really aware of, and one was Sid Field's uh, screenplay, I believe it was called. Yeah, and it's, it's I have that. One I, and also um, Adventures in the Screen Trade by um, William Goldman, which wasn't very necessarily good for a beginning screenwriter, but it's a very helpful book once you actually are producing movies because he got, he has a lot of wisdom in there on filmmaking situations, you know, and how to handle things. But um, but nowadays there's a lot of great books out there on the subject. But the main thing you got to do is write. You got to write all the time, and go to all the movies. You know, go to movies, watch movies. You know, my partner, Tim, would always tell people also to read books. 
you know, and that's great if you can, but I believe going to movies. Because, you know, it's really about structure, you know, what it comes down to is structure and making compelling characters, you know. If you, if you, people like your character, they'll go on the journey with them, you know. And that's, you know, there's a certain magic in finding character, you know, and being, you know, finding that character and making it real and um, the, a person that people want to spend, you know, 90 minutes to two hours with. And I think that's the key, but really, you just right. got to keep writing. You know, it's funny. I heard this from a couple different people up at, um, recently at a screenwriting conference, Christian, you know, Christian Film Festival, I did a little screenwriting seminar, and people would say, you know, God wants me to write this story, you know, and I will say that, um, and then they were kind of dismayed because they didn't, you know, it wasn't getting made into a film, and I would say, God probably wanted you to write that mm. screenplay, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to be made into a movie, you know, and, you know, because basically, if you read my thing, you'll see that, you know, it was a miraculous course of events that caused me to write my, um, I, the hand of God was very much in me writing my first screenplay. Very much, you know, a miracle in a sense. And, um, but that screenplay was never, you know, the Lord definitely wanted me to write it. It's never been made. And neither were the next 10 screenplays. You know, one or two might be made later. But, um, you know, I, you know, the thing is, you know, if you're saying, and this is good, going to advice for Christian screenwriters, you know, if you're, you know, you got to, you know, the Lord, just because the Lord wants you to do something, doesn't mean, you know, you just throw some words out on the paper and it's good. You know, the Lord, you know, there's right. a, my second favorite quote from David A.R. White was once I was with him and somebody told him he wanted to be a Christian screenwriter, what should he do? And he says, well, the first thing you got to do is become a good screenwriter. Because if you're going to do something for the Lord, you got to right. do it the best you can. That's my second favorite quote. And I think right. that, that is true. And I think uh, the business suffers because a lot of people have a vision of making films of the real desire, and they don't take the time to learn the craft. And, you know, I spent years, you know, writing scripts, and I was blessed that, you know, my scripts were receiving, you know, good attention, and I had a real Hollywood agent, and all. but, um, you know, they still weren't being made, and it was, but it was a process I had to go through to hone my craft in order to make the films that I did make, which were very, oftentimes very difficult, right. because literally, like Sarah's Choice, we had three weeks to write that film, from giving the idea to when we needed to get it done to get casting before Christmas. In the year, the year before it was made, you know, because they were going to shoot in January, and we had to have the script done, you know, and to have, you know, that script done in that amount of time, you know, was not something either Tim or I could have done, you know, 10 years earlier, you know, but it took, it took a lot, you know, you know, sure. it's, it's a craft like anything else, and, you know, you don't say, well, I'm, suddenly I'm going to be a minister without taking time to study the Bible, you know, so... You really, if right. this is your mission, you feel you're being called to do it, read the books and just keep writing, you know. And, you know, even in the secular world, like John Hughes, who did like um, 16 Candles and all those films, you know, apparently it was 25 scripts before he got the first one produced. There were 25 scripts, you know. Everyone he did after that got produced. Wow. But, you know, it takes, even for a skilled writer like him, it takes time. And, you know, so keep writing. Sure. And 
here, you know, people don't talk, you know, you've got to keep marketing yourself. You've got to find who is making these films, you know, that you're writing and try to get the scripts to them, you know, and most people, it's, it takes some difficulty to get through to sure. them, you know, and, but you, you know, you, you, you right. got to do it. And, but, you know, don't ever send out a first draft is my other advice, you know. What I used to do when I was a new screenwriter, I would write, I would finish a script and I would put it away. And I would write another script before I would go back to the first one and rewrite it. And I did that because, you know, when you write a script, you're, you're in love with it. You know, you're thinking it's the best thing in the world. And I would write, I would write a new script and get myself a new love before I go back and look at the old one because then I could see the flaws. You know, I needed that distance, that emotional distance. And I think, you know, too many people are sending out scripts that are essentially first drafts, and they can't see the flaws. And one of the things is to find some friends who are knowledgeable in this business who will read your script and be, you know, deadly blunt with you. So anyone who asks me to read their script, right. you know, expect a beating. Because that's what I you know, <laughs> right. I have one friend sure. in particular who was... You know, it was brutal with me, you know, kind, but brutal, you know, and that person really helped me come my craft, as did other people, you know, some, have somebody read it and say, hey, I liked it, that's great, you should move on with it, you know, you know that's not helpful, you know, so, those are right. my words sure. of advice. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your words of wisdom for the beginning screenwriter. I would have loved to be a successful screenwriter, but first I actually need to write one. I started writing one because uh, I had taken a, a couple of classes uh, at Liberty University, and but it was intro to screenwriting. But um, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to, you know, what did they, what write they the entire write Liberty, script. Entire because feature, a short, or what? It was just the first, like, five or ten pages of a script and I wanted it to be kind of like family man but reversed where instead of it's yep, the family the man twist. it's the that's family the way, woman that's the way it works in and, Hollywood <laughs> right exactly and have it from a faith based so, um, standpoint what textbook right. did they use or what, what book did they use for your screenwriting class it was uh, Sid, Sid Field's book and then there was like two other books besides that so there was um intro to screenwriting and then there was theology and cinema and then um so th it was definitely that book and then it, well, there was another book that was a little bit more informal and it was a little bit easier to read and i, I forget the name of the author uh, but there was the a cat? lot of practical advice in it um I I don't remember. I think it was it was uh, written by an African American man, uh, but uh, that was good too. Um, and uh, ironically, the the year or the the semester I was uh, taking that class, I believe Sid Field actually passed away. Ironically, in the same semester that I was uh, in that um, intro to screenwriting class. But it's just a matter of me actually just refreshing my this is back in 2013 you know refreshing my mind with the format and the principles and, and the story arc and the characters and, and things like that so i i would love to type out a first script and, and have somebody like you you know critique it i mean that that would be a dream of mine come true but uh i 
that well, I, of course I need to start writing, but I've seen so many movies and such, and I well, have I an idea, you, but you know, I just need to actually do remember, it. And um, a lot of people build it up too much, you know, of writing a script, and it's just a matter, just, you know, I really didn't have much instruction or anything at the time because there wasn't that much out there. Just, you know, it's just a matter of doing it, you know, because, you know, a lot of people, particularly right. those who really love film and really view film as an art, Look at, look at the script, you know, they feel they have to be an artist. And it's really, they're just a storyteller, not just. I mean, it, you just just tell the story, you know, get through it. And after one or two, you know, it be, you know it's too, you know, there's, it's mystified, you know. And, one, you know, just to me, right. once I wrote that first one, it took me, I was probably 27 years old before I... Um, and I'd gone to film school. I never took the screenwriting class because it was never available at the time I could take it. I took a lot of other classes. But um, when I finally wrote that first script, it was like a dam broke, you know, and it was very easy. And, you know, I'd always wanted to. I was much like you. I always wanted to. I, I would have loved to have done it. But once I broke, did that, I was writing, you know, I could write four scripts a year, you know, and still work a full-time job and have an active social life and, you know, it became became very very easy, and the scripts got better. You know, so 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 all I can That's encourage great. you is just That's just awesome. write that first one up and send it to. Oh, I'll read it. Great, great. I think what what's is okay, awesome. What I think is kind of daunting to me is is trying to get the format down. Um, like like I'll, I forget the name of of the um, you know it's been a couple of years you know since I was in the class but. I uh, forget how to do the format, and so, but I think I might just at least put this, you know, put it into a Microsoft yeah, document, write, even if it's just the story, the outline. This is my advice to people who wanted to write scripts down at, at the film festival, because most of them wanted to do um, their live stories, and I talked to them about their stories, and they had some very harrowing stories, and um, I told them, look, just write it as a book, write it as prose first, and let it come out naturally. You know, if you dare, because I, I don't always recommend right. people to write their live story because I think sometimes it can do them more damage than it can help them, you know. And like when I wrote my book, you know, right. you know, it would definitely put me back into time for a while. And as I said, my wife had to endure yes, with the does. moods I went through while I was writing the book. But fortunately, I wrote it quickly and the moods were. But also, I had to be concerned about because <laughs> it was a true story, how the people who were in the book would react to it when they, when they read it. And certain people I know would not be pleased, and I did a great deal to change names and details and all, so they would not be identified. But, um, sure. you know, and this is the thing I talk with other authors who used, who wrote memoirs and, you know, various, you know, books that had subject matters that could break families apart, you know, so... You know, so if you're going to write something oh, sure. like that, you know, I'd say, you know, don't, you know, don't force it into a necessarily into a screenplay format. You know, make it as naturalistic as possible. Let it flow, and then if you have something worth telling and you want to do it as a screenplay later, that's great. And I recommend that to you too in this story you're working on. And you know, the format's easier now because of all these programs. I use Final Draft. That's sort of like the one most you know, yeah, but there's also, that's I think there's like Citrix or something that's like a free, I forgot what it's called, that's a free program. 
that does the same thing as Final Draft. And I would recommend, you know, those programs will force you into writing it like a screenplay. But, you know, your idea of just putting it in a Word document, just write it up as a story and then just change it into a screenplay. Do what's most comfortable for you. And then, you know, come to, come to worry about the uh, format later. But first, tell the story. First, give us characters. Right, absolutely. Excellent advice. And lastly, Sean, could you tell us what your opinion of the uh, future I of Christian movies? I think that earlier, you know, it's like, um, well, to me, uh, and this is part, you know, I was one of the uh, 2012 winners of the Kairos Prize, which is put out by Movie Guide. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that organization, but, um, you know, they're trying to bring a Christian influence back into Hollywood. And their philosophy is a little different than right. most Christian filmmakers. Most Christian filmmakers want just to make Christian films that reach a Christian audience. And Movie Guide's point of view is they want to make, they want mainstream films to reflect, you know, Christian values. And one of the reasons why, you know, is that there aren't, you know, main Hollywood doesn't deal with Christian values or even spiritual values. Is that essentially Christians abandoned Hollywood? You know, there were whole religions that you know, or denominations that said don't go, that didn't want people to even go to the movies. So obviously, those denominations and beliefs are not reflected in movies, because they were, you know, they were, you know, Christians right. for, you know, through the seventies and beyond, Christians were the people that boycotted. You know what I mean? So they're not going to, you know. They're just going to ignore right. us. So you got to ask yourself, it's a matter of culture and Christ and culture. I mean, are we, as Christian filmmakers, going to make films for ourselves? It's sort of like, have we given up on having Christ in the general culture? Are we going to give that up or just make films for ourselves? I mean, Hollywood now looks at Christian films as a little ghetto, and they know there's money. You know, but they don't, you know, <laughs> and they, you know, you know, we're like black exploitation films, you know, essentially. I saw someone, there was an article, Christ exploitations films. And, um, and is that what we are? Are we just going to make films for ourselves or are we going to take our values out into the culture at large? And I think that's what Movie Guide is trying to do. And I, I'm kind of mixed. I, I personally believe that it's probably, you know, our, you know, I don't think we should be inward-looking. I think we should be outward-looking. And uh, I, th I would recommend Christian filmmakers to write cop movies and sitcoms, you know, and adventure films and thriller films and horror films, you know, that right. are mainstream films, but that still right. also reflect your, wor your worldview, a moral Christian worldview. Right. Even if there's not, you know, someone saying the sinner's prayer at the end. You know, because, you know, are we going to hide right. away in our own little cubbyhole? Or are we going to move out into the world and like, try to have influence on society again? And exactly. I think each Christian filmmaker is going to have to make that choice themselves. And each Christian artist, each Christian writer, singer, songwriter, you know, photographer, you know, is going to have to decide, am I, who am I going to? You know, what, where am I going to aim myself? Am I aimed at us or am I aimed at them? You know, and I think that is the question that needs to be answered. It's sort of like, you know, are we just going to make quote unquote evangelical films and hide them behind pay Christian uh, firewalls, you know, for exclusive content? You know, so 
Right. Not that I, and right. I don't consider me a hypocrite. Absolutely. That's exactly if I end up doing something like that. <laughs> well, excellent advice. And thank you so very much for sharing your viewpoints and experiences and opinions and such about Christian as well as regular filmmaking. And, and uh, I really appreciate uh, your time uh, to interview with me and, and sharing with us all. And uh, I hope that it, it does inspire the uh, budding Christian or not uh, screenwriter or, or uh, you know, just open people's eyes to uh, Christian movies and just movies in general and such. I think that uh, a lot of times, like you said, you know, that, that uh, people uh, that are, you know, Christians, you know, that, that they're still in the little salt shaker and they don't want to be salt and light. You know, they want to stay behind, you know, like you said, the Christian wall and, and just make, you know, Christian movies just, just for Christians, whereas we should, you know, also make, you know, uh, movies that have our worldview. That's an excellent that's, um, perspective. I think that's you know, awesome. It is a conflict, you know, after you've done so many of, so many films that are just aimed at the Christian market, and, you know, and you know they bring, you know, joy and comfort to people, but, you know, you've got to ask yourself, you know, or, you know there are right. other people out there, too, you know, so, you know. Something I've been wrestling with quite a bit. Yes, yes, and, absolutely. Um, I believe I will make some more Christian entertainment. I'm, you know, about to sign a deal to do something, but you know, um, I'm also working on, you know, secular scripts too, which I hope will um, bring a consciousness of things as well. So we we will see. That's great. Great. Awesome. Well, we're I'm, we're definitely looking forward to uh, your future projects and. And also reading your autobiography, it's always enlightening to hear other people's stories, especially uh, from somebody um, as uh, accomplished as you have been in the Christian you know, as well Tim as regular are, filmmaking. Tim and I would often laugh and say, people think, <laughs> and I were like, can you believe it? People think we're successful. <laughs> you, know, I mean, you know, we're just regular guys. That's funny. You know, we've very been blessed to have a little platform <laughs> and to be able to do this sort of thing. But, um, and I want to thank you for um, having me on, and I'm glad this finally came into being, and I'm anxious to see how it turns out. And Absolutely. Hopefully I don't have too thick of a Baltimore accent. I think it's showing up now and then. So. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's, it's, it's just perfect. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for interviewing with me. 